Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name is Trent, and this week Jason and I are going to bring you our review of Riot Fest from Chicago. We made the trip up there a couple weeks ago, went to all three days of the festival, so we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. But before we get to that, we're going to bring you uh, a song for the first time here on the podcast. This is episode number 19, and we've got a band out of Chicago coincidentally enough no relation to our trip Jason had discovered this band prior to us going but he wrote a review it's up on our website at thethunderunderground.com the band's called Destroy Them and this is their song Dead Man's Switch
Switch from Destroy Them. You can find them on Facebook. That's all one word. It's D-E-S-T-R-O-Y-T-H-M. Also look them up on Bandcamp. They've got their music on there where you can purchase it and download it. They've got a self-titled EP with six tracks on it. Dead Man Switch that you just heard, of course, is one of them. Purchase the album. Support these guys. Hope to hear more from these guys in the future. Great band. So... Check them out. Like I said, there's also a review up on our website at thethunderunderground.com on that EP. 
All right, we're going to get into this review from our Riot Fest trip to Chicago. As usual, besides plugging our website, I want to let you know to check us out on on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and of course SoundCloud. Follow us on everything so you get the updates. Subscribe to us. Like us. Whatever each thing calls for. We've got a video interview with Kyle Gunther, the the lead singer for Battlecross, which that was our you know a couple episodes ago. That was a pretty fun one. And our last episode was uh, with Jason from uh, Dead Metal Society and Caroline Spine, and we've got some good response from some Caroline Spine fans over that one. Yes, thank you for all the listens. Yeah, we think that we think that turned out pretty well. It's pretty good to hear all those all those stories. So, and it was fun. It was as fun to listen to as it was to do. Right. Yeah. And vice versa. Right. Yeah. So we've also got a couple, you know, two or three other good guests lined up that, you know, we'll drop on you here in the next two or three weeks. That's right. We don't want to. We don't want to say who it is, but we're working on some stuff. It's going to be cool. Yes. Uh, we also we also just put a review up of a uh, of a indie band uh, a new metal band from uh, not a new metal as in corn but a new <laughs> metal band from Chicago called Destroy Them which is great check that review out and they are from Chicago which ties into our road trip we took to Chicago for Riot Fest this past weekend yep uh, if you if you don't know Riot Fest is a, uh, a three day festival that takes place in Chicago and Denver and Toronto and uh it started in Chicago as just basically a, a punk festival. It started in Chicago. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. I'm pretty positive. Yeah. And it expanded into the other cities and into the big three-day, you know, kind of... It's not really a little punk festival anymore, <clears throat> you know. It's, no, it's not. It's it, a corporate giant, just like all these other festivals. It is huge. And they still hold on to the punk, you know... Ethos. You know, yeah, the theme there, basically. <laughs> Where they they try to have a lot of those bands, you know, you know, fill out the days, and then they always have one or two of the you know the bigger ones like yeah. Pennywise and Rancid always seem to make you know make an appearance every year or two, and uh, this this year in Chicago at least it was its first year at Douglas Park, and I don't you know I can't say anything since I wasn't there before. Um, I think my only complaint was that they had two of the two of the major stages facing each other, which I know that yeah. you, get, you can only do what you can do with what you, you know, the space you have. That's right. But they had, they had five, there's seven, seven stages and five of them were full size, you know, for, you know, all the big bands. And then they had two smaller ones for, you know, smaller bands, indie bands, that kind of thing. And two of those, you know, the very end main stage, four of them went in a row. And then the fifth one was across the park, which, it wasn't horrible if you were, you know, fairly close to either of those stages. Yeah. But if you got in the mix where, like, you were at one of the bigger bands later on in the night and you couldn't get that close. Yeah. And you were back a little bit, it was really annoying because you're trying to listen to, you know, 
system of a down and you hear reggae behind you you know and it's like drowning out what you know or vice you know i don't know if yeah. that's what was going on i can't remember but you know it was always something it just had a lot of bleed over and but like i said you know that's you know where they ended up having to do it because i guess of legalities with the last place but other than that that was probably my only real complaint of you know anything i saw at the park really oh yeah i mean the park was so their layout was so vast i mean it's huge i mean it's just gigantic and it was not that bad during the day like you said the two stages that were facing each other even though there was you know worlds of space in between them You've got two headliners at night that draw that both draw big crowds. You've got, I don't know, you you've got Ice Cube and No Doubt clashing. Right. And if you're far back, you know, pick pick whichever act you want to see. If you're far enough back, you're not only hearing that act, but behind you, you're you know, you're hearing spider webs or just like a girl, and <laughs> it's it's crazy. And there's just a horrific amount of walking, and for a big guy such as myself, that is not fun. <laughs> but what I also am is a rock warrior, and so I will make the trek. I will make those steps to see my favorite bands, and it turned out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, I. You know, we've been to. Rocklahoma repeated times, some other smaller festivals, and I've done, I've done the Bill Street Music Festival a couple times, and it's similar, in the same style of festival where it's, the genres are all over the place. They cover pretty much everything you could think of, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know, and it's you know several major stages with tons and tons of bands every day. So I knew there was going to be some clashes as far as bands I wanted to see playing at the same time or crossing over. Oh yeah, when you've and, got five, seven stages, yeah. you know, there's gonna be some stuff you gotta give up. Yeah. There's gonna be stuff that you might need to leave early to see another band or whatever. Right. And you've gotta come to terms with that and accept it and right. figure it out the way you want it. So you gotta decide, yeah, if you wanna see a band from a good spot, you're gonna have to get there early and give up seeing someone that's playing right before them. Yes. Or if you're the type of person that wants to see two or three bands that are playing at the same time, you're just going to have to deal with the fact that you're going to see them from, you know, a hundred yards away maybe because you can't fight through the crowd. By the time you get up there, you're going to have to turn around after three songs and leave and I go, know, go do know. it again after you walk, you know, a quarter mile to see the next band. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of a, you got to make some decisions and probably, you know, not to just jump, you know, way ahead to these bands. The first major decision I had to make is Anthrax is one of my favorite bands. And of had, course. You know, and has been since, you know, as a kid. And there's very since few... you had hair. Right. <laughs> you loved anthrax. Yes. But there's not many things that could trump anthrax and make me just skip them completely. But Faith No More was playing about 15 minutes. They started 15 minutes after anthrax. And I'm like, I'm not even going to mess with trying to get over there and walk back and miss anything and... You know, all that. But we can get into that. Which, actually, that is day one, so... Yeah. So, day one, what was the first decision you had to make? It was probably... 
waiting at will call to miss oh, death. Oh, okay. yeah, that was that wasn't a, <laughs> that wasn't a decision. <laughs> True. Yeah, that was a that was a necessity. Yeah. So the first day we, you know, this was, you know, we we stayed at a an apartment that we rented, which was pretty awesome. If you're ever going to Chicago, shoot us an email, and we'll shoot you a link so you yeah. can rent this place as well. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, good old Bob. But anyway, we get on the train, which was you know not that far, quarter mile walk or something, and get over there but you know the whole train process took quite a while and by the time we walked to the festival you know we're walking right you know within the next death had already started i think probably five or ten minutes and we didn't time it as good as we probably could have but we thought we're not going to miss it and then we get up to the gate and will call was on the other side of the park which i guess was the main entrance so you went ahead and went in because you had your ticket. I, I already had my ticket. Right. The will call gods just <laughs> decided to ram it up you guys' collective keisters. Right. Said, now we're going to let Jason go through. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. So you went through and the rest of us made the trek around clear to the other side of the park, which was like a 10 minute at least walk probably. Yeah. And, you know, because it was like two city blocks in Chicago basically. And then... You know, and then we had to wait in line over there, obviously, with all the other people. So we walked in basically a few minutes after death had ended. So yes. I can't... And this was one... You know, I mean, it wasn't like in my top three or four, but it was in the top ten of bands I was looking forward to seeing. Of course. Based off the documentary, a band called Death, which you should check out if you have not. Um, it's just one of those bands that, you know... We obviously didn't know about, and I didn't know about until I saw that documentary. You know, they're one of those bands that, you know, was ahead of their time, but never got their their shot or their chance to, to be heard by the masses. And this documentary has kind of put them back on the map and, you know, gave them another, gave them an audience finally. Oh, and yeah, so, sure. so they're playing shows now and festivals, and this was one of them. So... You you know you told me it didn't it didn't live up to the hype at least in your head. <laughs> no no I, I I got to see the lion's share of the set, and <clears throat> I mean nothing nothing not taking anything from their musicianship. Uh, we know these guys can play. Uh, they've got you know they've got a reggae band they tour with. These guys are inured in the many genres of music and they know what they're doing. It just ended up not being my thing. Uh, I definitely uh, like the stuff that, their original stuff that, you know, was underground for so many years, and with the help of the documentary a band called Death was brought to light, and I really dug it. It, it was noisy, but it was cohesive in a, in a riffy uh, realm, if you will. Uh, and But it also had that raw, you know, uh, unproduced punk attitude. Like, you know, when you put on some old Misfits or something, sounds like it was recorded in a bathroom, which I don't think is a bad thing. It gets that raw energy. And they had that. And they played those songs, and it was pretty cool. Um, They played some new songs that I just... It was completely different, which I guess it's going to be. It's been a lot of years since that. And... They've got a different member now. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to slag it because it wasn't bad. It just wasn't my thing. Right. 
and I all I can say is you know again if you haven't seen that documentary a band called death you know go now well finish listening to this episode then go watch it it's on Netflix uh, it's it's a must it's a must view yeah definitely um I don't know if it was right after they ended or I think it was pretty close to it we you know we walked over to the stage for living color and, yes and at the same you know there's the stages they were set up you know four of them were set up side by side or there'd be two side by side and then there'd be a huge gap and then two more yeah. and so as soon as one band would end another band would start yeah so if you're waiting on a band you could easily listen to the band next to it oh for sure yeah. and fishbone was the band that was playing between death and living color and granted i've never listened to fishbone much in my life just you know i've heard him here and there and i remember seeing him a long time ago somewhere and uh i feel like i was almost a couple years ago at mardi gras me and tracy almost saw him but for some reason didn't but anyway yeah. um you know it was fun it was you know i don't know how else to describe it i mean if you like, you know, if you like that style of music, you're going to like it. They're great musicians. That's why they're, they've been doing it for so long and continue to draw an audience, you know. Definitely. But then as soon as that ended, one of our one of our bands we were looking forward to the most and I would I would say easily one of the highlights of all three days. Without was, a doubt. Yeah, was Living Color. You know, and that's only... But that's only the second time I've ever seen him, right? Exactly. Yeah, because the first time was at Rocklahoma about five years ago, five or six years ago. Two thousand eight. Okay, so seven years ago. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what can you say? They're they're all four, you know, unbelievable musicians, and they bring it live, and they sound perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, that's you said it right there. It's perfect. <laughs> you know what I and what I thought was funny was. I think Doug Wimbish was trying to mess with uh, Corey Glover, and he fell over. He fell down. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. But, you, I mean, he fell down, and he kept going, and you couldn't you couldn't hear any mistake. You couldn't hear a flub up uh, because they're just that good. They could, I don't know, they could probably, uh, you know, play this stuff in their sleep. Yeah. And not because they played it so much, just because they're that fucking good. Yeah. Um, I was so impressed with Corey Glover. He could hold his mic way out from his from his head and still project. I mean, it's just you know they're one of my favorite bands. They're one of my favorite. <clears throat> I mean, excuse me. They're one of the first bands that got me into you know hard rock and uh, back in the late eighties. I, I wore Vivid out. It's like a bible to me. It, it's up there with Pride and Glory and. The Karabi era Motley Crue um, and Kill 'Em All. I mean, that album is just phenomenal. And uh, all their other stuff is great. Their last album they did a few years ago was insane. And they 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 did songs from all that, and it was just insane live, as it always is. Vernon Reed is like a mad scientist of guitar. And, uh, it, you know... It was uh, tight as a drum, but it also jammed. I mean, I can't. I could go on and on, but I probably sound like an idiot already. So, there. I mean, you know, there was there was a good portion of the crowd that was at this festival, and all they knew was cult of personality. 
Oh yeah, and, and when that song and, came on, they they showed their ass for sure. Yeah, and I mean, that's not a bad thing, but it, you know, and some of those people, you know, of course, walked off once it was done. Mm-hmm. You know, so we got a little closer, which was cool. Yeah, but at you know, at the same time, all those people stood there waiting for it, and no one, you know, you know, I've been to shows where. People, you know, people are waiting for that hit song. Yeah. And they're just, they look bored out of their mind and they, they scream it between every song. Yeah. But people were, were, were watching this and they're like, you know, these guys are bringing their, bringing their shit. And they their were game. Yeah. And, it, you know, no one was, no one looked bored. Everybody looked happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, we had some, uh, we had some dudes behind us that were just silent through the whole thing. And then when they played Cult of Personality, they sang along with every word. And which is cool, I guess, you know, I like the enthusiasm guys, but I'll know you didn't give a shit for the other 40 minutes of the set. And now I can't hear, you know, the fucking band because you're screaming the lyrics in my ear. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I'm, And then after that, they probably went quickly back to their frat house. <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, it's definitely one. If it's if Living Color is a band that you you know has slipped your mind over the past since the nineties, you know, give them another shot. And they're one of those bands that you can't you can put on any one of their CDs and I can't you can't go wrong. Yeah, everything everything is good and everything's enjoyable. You know. So after that, I'm, I think the next thing, you know, we had walked around for a bit because. You know, there wasn't anything we were, you know, definitely yeah. excited to see. And then I came back because I was, I was wanting to see Eagles of Death Metal. They're one of those bands that I just, you know, I've listened to on occasion. And a few months ago, I went on a kick and listened to them like, you know, on Spotify for like two or three hours straight. Yeah. And I mean, they've they've got some great music, but it's kind of, you know, seeing them live, it was good and it came off great. Um. It's just kind of, it's just one of those things that you've got to be in the right mood for, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Unacquired taste. Yeah. I mean, he's got one of those voices which is borderline corny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But I think he's he's doing that on purpose, you know, kind of making it like a, you know. Yeah. And, you know, attitude kind of, you know, whatever. But it's... I mean, it's good stuff, and they're you know they they sound their thing is the the music sounded really tight and really good. Yeah, it grooved. It yeah. grooved. So I mean, and you know, I you know I I think the guy's a good fit. He was a good fit for Commissioner Gordon in the Batman movies, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I was glad that Charlie Daniels made an appearance as well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Then after them, I think we walked over because my girlfriend wanted to see Against Me and. You know, I'll be honest, I know I've heard two or three songs in my life and didn't, you know, didn't hate it, didn't care for it. It was just yeah. one of those things that, are, that, that, was, that was there, you yeah. know, indifferent, I guess is the word. And we get over there and I was, I dug it, you know. Yeah. It yeah, was catchy. They're, you know? they're great. Yeah, I mean, it, it was catchy, but it wasn't, you know, corny, you know, Blink-182 catchy. Yeah. It was like good, you know, solid rock. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it's... It's it's good you mentioned that to me. That's and that's what I that's what I thought too. I, I never really, uh, you know. It seems like they always kind of fall in the punk. People put them in the punk genre, but I never got a punk vibe from them. Maybe it's just me. It's just like you said. It was solid rock. 
you know, maybe a little alternative-y, you know, but it was, again, solid, you know, and I have, uh, I've seen that band many, many times. Uh, my wife and I went to Boston a few years ago uh, for St. Patrick's Day and saw Dropkick Murphys, like, I don't know, four or five shows in a row, you right. know, over, you know, three or four nights. And against me was their opening band for all the shows. So I saw I saw them like five times, you know, five nights in a row. <laughs> and they were super tight, a lot of energy, uh, really raw, and, you know, just good, good, simple, but in a good way, you know, solid rock tunes, loud, noisy, you know, everything, everything you want, really. And I will point out, that look at that, we just reviewed their show and didn't go where every other reviewer would go, first thing off. And yeah. we're not even going to go there. Exactly. There's no need to. We're talking about music, people. That's right. That's right. Then we're walking back and a tray was on. And I've had a long history of, like, bad-mouthing this band. You know, mainly, I don't know, I think years ago I really didn't like them. And I think they're one of those bands that, you know, because I, I was standing there in the back. You know, I think we went to the bathroom, get a drink, and heard them several songs. And, I mean, they sounded fine. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's the the story of, you know, when we went to OzFest and, you know, we were forced to meet him, which sounds kind of funny. You know, we were, I'll go ahead and tell this because it's funny. We were waiting in line to get free Monster Energy drinks because they were free. And we were at OzFest where water was like 4 or $5. And we were thirsty because it was like 107 degrees, you know. And we end up being the next people in line and the guy blocks it off and says that a tray was coming out, you know, to do their signing. And I'm like, we just want... A free monster can we get it and go he's like no no one can come up here we've got to wait till the band comes up then you can go meet him and get your drink i'm like i don't i just want a drink he's like i'm sorry you gotta wait so we stood there for five or ten minutes waiting and so rather than just walk straight by and grab the drink and walk out like a total ass i went ahead and got their autographs because i had a friend that i knew liked them you know and just go down the line and the last one was the singer and he's like hey what song are you looking forward to here and, and i didn't know a single Atreyu song, but I knew they covered Bon Jovi, uh, You Give Love a Bad Name. And I'm like, well, you guys covered Bon Jovi, you're playing that? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, I guess nothing. And it walked out. So, I mean, that was my, my dick moment to the guy from Atreyu. And then here we are at Riot Fest, and they played it. So there you go. I feel like he's been playing it every night since then in hopes that I would hear it and be cool with that, right? You think? Huh? What? Oh. Oh, I was... Sorry, I was asleep. Talking about Treyu? Yeah, I was asleep. Sorry. My apologies. All right. Anyway, it was... Nothing against the Treyu. It's just not really my thing. You know, I don't hate it, but I don't care. So, what's next? We... Flogging Molly. Yeah. Here's what happened. I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way. Well, let me tell you real quick. I, I've never seen Flogging Molly live. You know. Yes. You know, and that's another band I look forward to. And of course, it's another band. There's a conflict, mm-hmm. and Faith No More went on directly after Flogging Molly. Yeah. But it was another thing. Like I'm getting as close to as I can to the stage for Faith No More. 
But luckily, Flogging Molly was the next band over, so yeah. I got to listen. But anyway, go ahead. I I love this band. You know, we this might not be the you know the typical Thunder Underground fair, but guess what? We do what the fuck we want. So deal with it. Uh, I love this band, and <clears throat> I hadn't seen him in I don't know probably four or five years, and I was really psyched to see him. And they came up and they played. And the sound was shit. And I don't think it was anything on their part. Because, you know, they were they were rocking out and they were having a good time and jamming out. Because their monitors and everything on stage, you know, were probably full blast. Uh, but everyone was telling them to turn it up. You couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear anything. And I thought, well, they'll fix this. First song, you know. Big festivals are probably doing kind of a rolling sound check kind of deal. Nothing. Second song, same thing. I was, I was upset, you know. Uh, but this shit happens. Third song, it got a little louder, but then it went back down again. <laughs> and my plan was to see the first half of Flogging Molly, then go get a good spot for Anthrax. I just said fuck it and went and got a good spot for Anthrax because I mean I I don't know I don't know if the sound ever came back on full blast or what. Uh, but it sucked. I would really like to see him again. So that's really all we can say is I'm sure they kicked ass. They always do. They're a great band. But I didn't hear them. Well, and I was, that, I can, you know, take well, us right into Anthrax. Well, I was extremely close to the stage for Faith No More. And they were, like I said, directly, directly next to it on the next stage. And to me, it sounded normal. But it's because I was probably hearing the sound from the stage, you know. Yeah. Like I said. And... When you look over, those first 10 people, rows of people or so, you know, are all rocking out. So it's probably when you hear the stage sound, and as soon as you get back and you can't hear the speakers, you know, it's everybody like, oh else is God, like, well, yeah, it sucks. What's going on? But there was a girl that walked up beside us, a girl and a guy, like, fought their way through the crowd, like, towards the end of Flogging Molly, and she was, like, singing along to every word, you know, so really? obviously she had been over there, and... Yeah. Tracy was standing next to me and asked her, you know, because you had texted and said the sound's horrible. And Tracy said, how was the sound? Because, you know, our friend said it sucked. And and the girl said, oh, it, you know, it was his first two or three songs, you know, and then it wow. was fine. So it's probably like right after you left. <laughs> uh, of course, that's right. how. It's a strange metaphor for pretty much everything in my life. <laughs> but that's okay. I'll see him again. So, but then um, you saw Anthrax. I saw Anthrax. So and they, everything's they, forgotten anyway. Yeah, it was for one of the best bands ever. And I want to preface this by saying, on the train, the day of the show to the venue, uh, there's some little pencil neck fucking kid in the train <laughs> behind us, you know, talking to I don't know his grandma or something about all the bands he wants to see, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I see uh, Anthrax on the bill. That's just fucking sad. I saw them like." 10 years ago with Slipknot and they're so old and it was just sad fuck them so I want to say wherever you are you pencil neck fuck fuck you you don't know good music and Anthrax would fucking uh, pummel you into oblivion and the funny thing is 90% of the bands on this festival are as old as Anthrax oh yeah as old but close to it and probably some bands that that motherfucker likes so you know I I don't know I'm not trying to be mean but I don't know at least uh, we know more about you know music than uh, that fucker does (laughs) my 8 year old knows more than that guy does 
But, it, okay, rant over. Anthrax was, you know, great as always. They opened with Madhouse, Cotton and Mosh, Antisocial. Uh, they did a couple new songs that closed with Indians. It was, it, people loved them. People were new going songs? nuts. Huh? New songs? Yeah, they played, well, not new, newer, new songs, newer yeah. songs. Fight Until You Can't and, uh, in the end, in the oh. end. Uh, and people were going nuts. They loved them and, you know, they fed off of that. It just energy all around, and that's what you get with Anthrax the whole time. And did they play Catharsis? No, Trent. Okay. Sorry, right. that would have been great. However, they did not. Um, maybe when John Bush puts his, uh, you know, Bush era Anthrax band together, but that's a different podcast. Right. But yeah, they were great. It sucks that you had to miss it, but I understand you're a huge Faith No More fan. Haven't seen him in years. So this was your, th- this is where I just hand it over to you. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, they're in my top, you know, <clears throat> favorite band ever besides Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, last time I saw them was 1997 on their final final tour before they split up. Saw them twice on that tour. And badass both times, Tulsa, Dallas. And, uh, <clears throat> so to finally, you know, I didn't think I was going to get to see one of these shows, you know, on this tour because the ones that came close like Dallas and <clears throat> uh, wherever else, other places in Texas and everything conflicted with other stuff I had going on. But So the fact that we got to go to this festival and see them was great. So we got over there, I don't know, probably almost an hour early. Wow. You know, basically the, whenever Flogging Molly started, 45 minutes, I don't know. And, uh, Got up, you know, worked our way up there, and we got to within, there was three people in front of us at the closest we got. Yeah. And uh, so we were pretty much right there. And uh, so then, of course, I think they're supposed to go on at 7.45. 7.45 rolls around, flogging Molly ends, and all of a sudden, the roadies come out and start doing stuff, like testing. I'm like, you know, because they'd been out there setting stuff up and checking you know sound checking they'd stuff. already got the flowers and yeah. the plants set up they'd and all that put the white stuff on all the speakers <laughs> and the amps and then flowers everywhere and they'd already messed with the drums and the guitars and everything and then nothing for 10 or 15 minutes and then as soon as Faith No More supposed to come on they come back out and start doing it again I'm like what the fuck were you doing the last 10 or 15 minutes and so now 10 12 minutes go by and nothing and this isn't like a normal show where oh crap they're 10 or 15 minutes late well they'll just play 10 or 15 minutes longer no it's like that time's gone. There's a strict curfew yeah. in place. Yeah, so it's a festival, and when your time's <clears throat> up, you're done, you know. You got to go off stage, so. So basically, we lost a couple songs, but at the end of the day, I still got to see Faith No More, so I'm not going to complain about that. And, you know, they came out, and they played however many 10 or 12 songs that they had time for. And, you know, Patton made fun of a few people in the crowd, which, you know, was cool. And probably warranted. Yeah, he made fun of No Doubt fans, which was good, you know. <laughs> and then, it's just, I mean, what can I say without sound like fanboy? He's the greatest rock singer that has ever lived, you know, save Freddie Mercury, you know. And hey, who died and made you, Mike Patton? There you go. Yeah. He sounded awesome. The band sounded perfect. John Hudson sounds perfect. If you're a Jim Martin whiner, fuck off. I don't care. 
this band is perfect. You know, Jim Martin's great. I love him, but they don't. They need. They don't need him to be badass. You know. But like I said, I love Jim Martin. No disrespect. I was more of a Trace Balance <clears throat> guy, but whatever, Trent. Well, me too. That's like I've told you, my favorite album. That's your favorite album. <laughs> well, and they played. They played two songs from it. Uh, Gentle Art of Making Enemies and Caffeine. So we got that much. And then at the end, they had. They finished. Uh, I don't remember what song. And then. I guess on the side of the stage, they're telling him, you know, your time's about up. And he made a mention, like, hey, we don't have much time left. And so they kind of, you know, look around at each other and then they start playing Introduce Yourself, which has not been in any of the set lists that I've seen on, you know, at least what I've looked at. And it was because they had two minutes left. And so they knocked it out. And it wasn't even a full version of Introduce Yourself. You know? Wow, perfect. So it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of cool. They knocked it out. It sounded perfect, just like everything else. <laughs> you know, so I'm happy I finally got to see him again after 18 years. And hopefully they continue on doing stuff in the years to come. Yes. Not, not, not finish this tour cycling and go away for nah, years. Well, yeah, we need yeah. these bigger bands for sure. So then after... After they finished was whenever, yeah, I guess is when the headliner started, which mm-hmm. for that night was no doubt Ice Cube and Motorhead. So this was another one of my major conflicts of the weekend, which I know you don't care about rap in the least. No, none, no. And always right. I've always Noise. been, I've always been a fan of the stuff from when we were kids and that era, and you know the stuff now. You know, there might be stuff here or there I like, but it's pretty random. But Ice Cube's always been my favorite rapper. And I saw him once in the 90s, and he, he was awesome. And then, of course, we've got Motorhead, who is awesome. And it's, you know, normally I, I could just say, well, I just see Motorhead because I like Motorhead more than I like Ice Cube. You know, it's just been that way. That's the style of music I like. Oh, hands down, yeah. Um but it's one of those things it's like Ice Cube rarely ever plays live and he's never going to come anywhere near where we're at and I'm not going to drive hours to see him anyway so and then we've got Motorhead which you know as we know is getting near the end of their their time I think you know even if they've got they might have a few more years if we're lucky but people know that Lemmy's obviously showing signs of of you know I don't think Lemmy's going to die ever in our lifetime, but he's showing signs that he's slowing down. Yeah. <laughs> so, I went ahead and decided I'm going to just split it and then go see three or four Ice Cube songs and then come back and watch the rest of Motorhead. And I did it, and I'm glad I did it, but my review is... Like I said, I love Ice Cube, and he sounded good. But it sounded so, uh, it sounded like he was an actor, if that's a good way to put it, you know. It sounded, or the good way to put it is, it sounded like you're watching a play, you know. Something that he's done night night after night after night. Everything he said, it sounded like it was scripted. Yeah. You know. And I know that there's other artists, you know, you see Kiss and Paul Stanley, you know, probably says the same crap every night, you know. But, I don't know, it just... It, it sounded good and, you know, whatever. But it just it just wasn't, it just didn't, it wasn't raw. Like, let me put it this way. I don't like Cypress Hill at all. 
and we I walked by when they were playing on Sunday for two or three songs, and they blew Ice Cube off the stage. You know, they sounded like they were up there putting on a show. They had attitude. They sounded the music. You know, it just sounded, you know, real and heavy. You know, but Ice Cube just sounded completely. Yeah. You know, script. You know, scripted. I guess is the best way to put it. But. Yeah. So anyway, we come back to Motorhead, where you're at. Yes. Well, that's why you should have came and saw yeah. Motorhead. Well, my review on Motorhead <clears throat> is pretty simple. Like. Yeah. The band sounded awesome. The music sounded awesome. You know, Mickey D sounded freaking awesome. Um, but Lemmy sounded like he wasn't completely back to full health. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't bad to where it hindered the show. No, not at all. It's Lemmy, you know, so even if Lemmy's voice is a little gone, it still sounds like Lemmy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And it sounded like he was a little, maybe a step behind or something, you know, on his vocals at times, but he still, it didn't, it didn't take away from it and make it a bad show. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, I thought the same. I thought he kind of had a Willie Nelson vibe in the fact that he was a little behind Behind the beat, behind the whole song, just maybe like a half step. And that's Willie Nelson's style. Yeah. And that's what he's always done. But now, Lemmy is finally getting to that. He's slowing down a little bit. And I've seen some YouTube videos, and he did the same thing. He did this in Chicago. Like you said, it was a great set. They sounded amazing. Mickey D is an animal. I mean, he is an animal. And, uh... And it's, you could say it's like pizza, you know, even when it's bad, it's good. Right. Uh, So, I noticed there was a little bit of a flub up when they played Ace of Spades, and I couldn't really tell at the beginning. I I don't know if, you know, somebody was playing a different song or started too early or something. I don't know. But they, they, they picked it up pretty quick and figured it out. Um... In light of all the cancellations, it was great that we got a full set. Yeah, because uh, so, it looked like we probably weren't going to get them because they had canceled. Yeah, they canceled a lot right before it. Yeah. Uh, Lemmy was joking with the crowd and stuff, so you know, we caught a good night, and I'm glad that we did. Yeah, and it, it felt like, you know, being over there, it felt like you were at a big, you know, a big rock show, you know. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, where you see other bands you love and it didn't, you don't have that feeling. You just feel like you're watching a band you like. But this just had that feel of that outdoor epic, yeah, you know, metal show. Yeah, and people, you know, when it was time for Motorhead to start, people were just flocked from everywhere. Right. It makes you wonder. You go see them on tour by themselves. Are they going to fill a Brady Theater or a, or a Hard Rock you know, a joint at the Hard Rock or the House of Blues. I don't know. They're going to fill it all the way. But at Riot Fest, I mean, you couldn't... It was people as far as you could see. So it was a good show, and they they entertained. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was... So on day one, I mean, I guess what was your highlight? Well, Living Color. Living Color, yeah. Anthrax, Motorhead. Right. Mine was... Did you... Oh, you said you missed a lot of Fake No More, right? Because you were waiting in the bathroom. Yeah, I did. I missed a lot. I missed a lot of them because it was just... It was nuts. I heard them all. I heard every bit of it. I just didn't see it. Yeah. Well, 
you know, like we said on those headliners, if you're not up front, you're going to be in the back anyway. So exactly. all you're doing is hearing it anyway if you can't see the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So day two rolls around. We got there and it had rained. I think it had rained Friday too. Yeah, a little but, bit. Not too bad. But with all the people walking around Friday and then the rain Saturday morning, you know, the mud was already there Friday night and it just got worse Saturday and it became like a full on mud pit. Which is funny because, you know, we're, we've we been to Rocklahoma where that's happened a couple times. Yeah. And we didn't come prepared. Like, I don't, I just, it wasn't in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm going to Chicago to see a festival in the middle of a city. So it's whatever. You know, even though yeah. we knew it was in a park, which is grass. Just didn't occur to us for some reason. <laughs> right. So anyway, you know, we have on tennis shoes that are soaked in mud. I still haven't cleaned mine off. Right. I need to do that. <laughs> Well, so day two, we got there, um, same time, midday, one or two, and I think the first uh, the first band that I was trying to see was the Dead Milkman, and they were playing, they were kind of staggered or around the same time as the Damned, if I wanted to see as well, mm-hmm. so I figured I would just split it, and uh, I think at that point, we had... You know, there were several times we all split up to do our different things, bathrooms, yeah. food, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was watching Dead Milkman by myself. And, you know, they're one of those kind of nostalgic kind of hokey bands that, you know, yeah. back in the day, you know, you thought, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, and the stuff's cool. But after, you know, like halfway through the second song, I'm thinking, why am I watching this when the dam's over <laughs> <laughs> it's like I should have just watched you know it's like I saw a song and a half that's enough you know no disrespect yeah. they sounded good they sound you know it was funny I think he was having the crowd chant Emmanuel Lewis hand job or something which you know was memorable I guess to say the least <laughs> hey you remember it <laughs> so I go over to the damned and I wanted to point out that I remember walking over to the damned and seeing along the way several kids you know or teenagers or whatever 20 somethings that you know had on their punk rock stuff and their jackets and their you know patches and you know with all the spikes and the mohawks and the you know plaid pants and yeah with you know maybe a couple classic bands and all the punk bands that they love and all this and i'm like and they're walking the other way or they're like just standing there or they're walking you know whatever and I, you know, and I get over there and I'm like, this is, you know, like, this is one of the the bands, you know, like there's the top, you know, four or five bands and this is like the next level down. This exactly. is like one of the the legendary bands of the genre and you're over here clueless like an idiot. It's <laughs> like, you know, that would be like if, you know, we were at a festival and, and Motorhead was playing and we were like, you know, over here with our, you know, Megadeth and, you know anthrax and whoever you know some newer bands we like or something yeah you know patches on our jacket just oblivious to what's going on on. exactly it's the same thing and it just i get over there and you know i'm not some diehard fan of the damned i just thought it was hilarious you know that that these people are oblivious to this and you know really i got up there and i think i only knew two songs but they sounded great it was awesome yeah you you, you knew new rose for sure right because of Guns N' Roses. I'll admit that. That's where I learned it, you know, first, you know, whenever I was like 16 or 15. That's okay. Yeah. 
That's why they made the album for people like us to learn that stuff, right? That's right. And you know, it was cool. It was one of those things. I, I'm glad I got to see. I'm glad I can say that I saw the damned. You know, mm-hmm. when they, you know, they put on a show. They had a good crowd. People, you know, there was a lot of people up there that that knew all the songs that came there for them. You know, so that was cool to see. And the guitar player had a snappy sailor's outfit on. Yeah. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was it was one of the my ple- not a, you know I wasn't surprised that they were good. It was just one of my pleasant surprises of that they were one of my favorite things I saw. I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And right after they finished, Babes and Toyland started. Yes. Which would also fall into that category. <clears throat> they were a definite must see that I was looking forward to seeing. Yeah. I think I knew one, maybe two songs at the most in the '90s from like those metal compilations or. Stuff like that. I never owned their albums or anything. Yeah. But we saw them, and it was two of the three original members. Yes. And they, same thing. That was one of the highlights. Oh, I think they, so. They they brought it. I mean, she she sang her ass off. She just had this, this power that, like, you know, yeah. just, you know, I know you don't like... Courtney Love, but it was real. It was like Courtney Love, like even more, you know, just that well, kind of that raw, like you know, scream, but like even more, more controlled and like a better voice, you know, a better voice. Well, I, I, I don't know. I'm I, maybe I'm not the best authority on this genre of rock, but I would say that this is probably what Courtney Love wishes the fuck she could do. You know, I. My thing with Babes in Toyland is I just remember the name from the 90s. Um, I thought I remembered a song, but I, I didn't really remember it because I didn't really remember any of their set. For me, it was like seeing a new band. <clears throat> uh, you know, ignorant or not, I don't know. There's a million bands in this world, and we're not going to get to see them all. And, you know, this one got by me back in the day for whatever reason, you know. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know, for some reason I wanted to see them. Um, and I was blown away. Like you said, her voice uh, was insane. She had just like this, you know, it, it was like a siren going off. Uh, it was power, it was anger. Uh, you know, it was noisy, but it was, you know, together. You know, there was uh, great riffs. Uh, it really it, it captured it captured that time without sounding you know cliched. Uh, so I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, um, I lost my train of thought. I was going to say something else about that, but anyway, I think I guess after that we. Kind of meandered around for a while, and then made it back over in time for Echo and the Bunnymen. Yes, because my girlfriend is a big fan of them, and I, you know, liked what I've heard. You know that she's made me listen to, and I remembered at least I remembered Lips Like Sugar, and you remembered their cover of The Doors. People are strange. That's right. And we got over there, and they, you know, we were coming back pretty fast because they started and they opened with Lips Like Sugar, which mm-hmm. was kind of odd, you know. As far as I know, I thought that was one of their bigger hits, but they must have another one they closed with. I don't know. <laughs> but they they sounded great. I mean, it was like, you know, those 
you know, they're another one of those bands that kind of like, you know, was was outside the whole genre because most of the stuff that was outside of the punk, you know, was either heavy metal or hard rock or, you know, the complete opposite end, like, you know, rap or reggae. Yeah. And Echo and the Bunnymen, you know, was one of those 80s bands that fall along the lines of the, you know, the pop and the new wave, you know, somewhere in between all that. Exactly. And, and they, uh, the, the vocalist sounded just like, you know, he, he did on record. And, yeah. You know, I don't know who's original in the band or not, but they they sounded good. And they, they even played that Doors cover as part of a medley, you know. There and you go. We, you know, we saw him for three or four songs and then we took off because we had found out the day before this wasn't one of the things that was in the the it list was of, not advertised on the website yeah. the original lineup we, we got a we got a little they hand out pamphlets with the schedule right. and it was down there in small print at the bottom of the Saturday schedule I'm glad I saw it oh yeah yeah there was a a speak stage which was actually the eighth stage there which and it was a panel. They had yeah. panels all weekend long of whatever subjects yeah. with different dudes from bands and whatnot. Right. And they had it way off in the corner of the park to where you could hear muffled music in the background, but it never interfered with just people talking to a microphone, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we got over like 15 minutes early, early enough that we got up, you know, fairly close to the stage. And um, it was just listed as... Henry Rollins moderates a panel with two of the West Memphis Three yes. talking about, you know, music and how it's affected, basically, affected them. And then, you know, we got there and they had his chair and then like two long couches and then they set out like five or six microphones. Yeah. And I said, why is there so many microphones? I don't know, that's kind of weird. Like, what's happening? And then, then he comes out and starts introducing people. And uh, first he introduced Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. Yes. And then he introduced uh, Steve Ignorant from Crass. And then he introduced uh, Damien and Jason from the West Memphis Three. And then, I'm forgetting her name. Lori Davis. Yes. Which is Damien Eccles' wife. Right. And she's also, you know, the activist that played a key role in the whole process of, you know, getting all these bands together over the years. And ultimately getting these guys who were innocent out of prison. Yeah, yeah, she's the main person that that led this whole you know movement along with Henry Rollins, mm-hmm. you know, and Henry Rollins, you know, really, you know, if you're a Henry Rollins fan, you probably already know all this from his, you know, his spoken word or his podcast or something like that because he's told the stories, which are great. You need to go listen to it. You know, he talks about, you know, the Rise Above record that they did with all the guests playing all the Black Flag songs to raise money for, you know. To help you know support the the movement and the lawyers and everything to get these guys out of prison you know yeah which by the way is a phenomenal record if you don't own it i i don't know you must not have any soul <laughs> because it is insane if you're a fan of punk metal alternative you have to own this record oh yeah there's there's not a there's not a skip a skip type kind of song on the record it, it is phenomenal. Yeah, it's got all kinds of, you know, metal people, Chuck D's on it, you know, as well. So just check that thing out. And we missed, uh, we had to skip Merle Haggard in honor, you know, of this 
seeing this. And there's not many things that, you know, Merle Haggard was one of the, another one of the guys I was looking forward to seeing a lot. And I'm like, there's not many things that could trump Merle Haggard, but Henry Rollins with the microphone in his hand is one of those things. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because I myself, I've seen Merle Haggard twice. So I, I thought, wow, I have not seen Henry Rollins do a spoken word in probably 10 years. Also, with two guys from the West Memphis Three, which is a, a an issue we followed for many years that's very compelling and uh, just amazing how these guys got blamed and I've always been interested in that so I there's just no way I could pass that up yeah no way at all yeah I'm definitely glad that we didn't because it was you know easily one of the top three or five things of the whole festival oh for me it was it was one of the top highlights just yeah just the minute Henry Rollins came out on stage and introduced people it's his, you know, he had a story for each person. He was so enthusiastic. You know, he he is one of my just all-time heroes in just his music, his his uh, his views, um, his uh, you know stories. Uh, he he is probably what turned me from you know being a angry young man to you know being a try to being a tolerant liberal person uh you know i just love this guy to pieces yeah, so it was just a thrill for me just to just to see his energy up there yeah yeah and he brought everybody out and he really you know i mean they talked about the you know the west memphis three stuff but it wasn't that's what the panel wasn't meant to be about that it was meant no. to be about basically you, you can't not get into it right but the main theme was music, yeah, and it was just simply music. Yeah, just and how kind of how it affect how each guy got into it, and then how it helped him at different points. And obviously, yeah. he brought up the West Memphis Three guys, how it helped them, you know, since or, and obviously how it worked against them, you know, because of the fact that they like metal, as yeah. as everybody that's followed that knows that that's one of the things they used against them to say these, you know, dudes like. You know Slayer and Metallica, so obviously they must have killed a bunch of people, right? Yeah, or a bunch of little kids, or three kids. So, I mean, I don't know what else to say about. I mean, you got anything else to say about that? Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big Sonic Youth fan, but everything that Thurston Moore said was amazing. Right. Uh, And then the Steve Ignorant, I never heard of Crass in my life, Uh, but now that I saw this guy talk for 30 minutes I've got to see it I've got to hear it yeah. I have to so I'll be checking that out for sure and Henry Rollins was adamant you know about people checking out their their debut album and another one of their yes. albums I think from 82 he brought up and you know he obviously had a a relationship with you know both of them you know just guys that he had you know worked with or known throughout his career and so I mean it was a one of those talks it flowed real well and it worked real well because obviously besides them two you know he you know he knew the other three from the whole all the work he did with the the West Memphis Three stuff so yeah. and I'm sure they've they've done this kind of thing before too anyway but yeah I mean it's just we actually had you know I mean it, it was scheduled to run like an hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. And I think, like, at that point, an hour and 15 minutes, we, like, left because... They were still going on. Yeah, Rancid was going to start in 10 minutes. 
And, you know, it, I didn't want to leave. It's one of those things I'm like, I could have yeah. stood there the rest of the night. You could talk for oh, four I hours. I would have listened yeah. to... I would listen to that for four hours. Yeah. But, you know, Rancid was also in that that top list of, you know, things that we were really looking forward to, both of us. Yes. And seen Rancid, you know, three times before this, but it was all in the 90s, right? Yeah. You know, and... Or I'd say, I think you said you'd only seen him twice, right? Twice. I saw him at Lollapalooza in Kansas City and a Warped Tour once when they actually came to Tulsa. Right. Uh, both times, it's been like 20 years. Yeah. For a band I love so much that I have damn near their whole catalog memorized, burnt in my brain. Yeah. Tonight, you know, they don't come around this area often. And the couple times they have, I I don't know, for whatever reason, I missed it. So I there's just I was seeing this, god damn it. There's no way I wasn't. And I I I think it's cool that they were doing an outcome the wolves in its entirety. That was great. Don't get me wrong. And I love that album. It's a great record. But I just would have the my only complaint is I would have liked to have seen just a normal set from them that spanned all their albums. Because you know, I would have loved to hear some stuff from uh, Life Will Wait. You know, I would have loved to hear some stuff from, uh, you know, uh, just I would have loved to hear all, you know, you only got to hear a few, you know, because the bulk of that, you know, bulk of that set was that record. Yeah. But at the same time, it was rancid and it was amazing, so I can't complain too bad. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the whole getting to see a record in its entirety thing, you know, doesn't come around all that often. Yeah. It's more of a thing, you know, it's became a thing in the last five or ten years, and people do it a lot more. But still, to see an album you, that you like a lot, yeah. and get to see it like yeah. that, it's pretty cool. And So, I mean, they, I think their set was an hour and 15 minutes, like all the headliners. And yeah. They, uh, you know, so they got that album knocked out, and I think like five five or six more songs yeah and yeah I mean it was it's one of those things where they're you know they're punk rock but they're fun they've always been that way exactly where it's like they sound more punk than some bands that are supposed to sound fun but yeah. they're more fun than those bands too you know if that makes sense <laughs> yeah and like they you know it's just feel good you know rock and roll music you know yeah and and the thing is I think we, I don't know if I was talking with you or Trace about it, but after it's like, you know, you're, you know, there's just a swarm of people over there like there was for a lot of the headliners. Yeah. But you look around and because it's like a good time band, you know, everybody's, everybody's standing there in mud, but everybody's smiling, you know? Exactly. And happy. And three fourths of the people were singing along to every song, even the songs that weren't. Ruby, Ruby Soho or Time Bomb or whatever. You know? That's right. Well, and you know, you had you had kids you had kids that were twenty years younger than us, you know, doing their little ska dance, singing every fucking word yeah. to just like you said the the songs that weren't even hits. And you had people our age that were singing every fucking word, uh, and and that that tells you right there why they why they decided to play the whole album in its entirety. Yeah, uh, Rancid it doesn't matter. It, what you're into or what genre you're talking about rancid for some reason they they really just go directly to the soul 
they go right for your heart and it, they just few bands can tap into that and they they do yeah and uh live it was it was even more so so i'm very very glad i got to see him again yeah and uh Yeah, and I think they're one of those. I mean, you don't you walk away from their show, and you don't even if you didn't see the stuff you wanted to see, you still feel great. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> because they put on a great show, and like exactly. we said, it's a feel good, a feel good kind of thing, you know. Yeah, like I can't complain, but I'm just saying. Oh yeah, we're gonna complain anyway because that's what that's yeah that we're geeks. So. Yeah. So there's always songs that <clears throat> we wish whoever we like played they didn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> but any time to see them is. They brought out awesome. CM Punk to the stage. That's right. I forgot about that. Which was that. pretty cool. You probably loved that big time. Yeah, that was cool. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what else to say about that other than they're awesome. And yeah. I'm glad they played Junkie Man because it's part of the album they had to, I guess. But, yep. And Tim Armstrong even said before that that was his favorite all-time Rancid song. So, I'm like, hey, that's mine too besides Roots Radical. Make, makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. <clears throat> so how was System of a Down? That was I missed uh, the first song or two, I guess, walking over there, and I got over there right before, um, or right whenever BYOB was starting, and there was some kind of a weird thing. Like I got over there, and it was like you know they had not been playing, and I didn't really get what was going on, but like they were up there. Yeah, and then they started BYOB, and then they stopped again. And the guitarist, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, Darren Malake. Yeah, Darren says, you know, I don't, you know, feel kind of weird playing if people are dying. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, and and then they're kind of just like slightly jamming, you know, like mm-hmm. not playing the song anymore. And then he goes, we've got to stop. You know, and people are booing. You know, but Serge is like, no, this is like, you know, a real issue. You know, and then they stopped for like two or three minutes. And then I guess they were pulling people up and getting people off because apparently there was such a surge of people at the front that the first two or three people deep started getting first got smashed into the barrier and then people started falling. And then so there was two or three people deep on top of each other. Oh, no. And... And I guess that's why they had stopped before, because that had happened, and then it just yeah. kept happening. And so they stopped until they got everybody completely up. And, you know, I'd read a couple reviews afterwards, and they had said that I guess once that whole thing cleared up, then everybody was cool and was making sure no one was falling down like you're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it wasn't like an issue of people being dickheads, other than just a bunch of people trying to. They're you know, excited. System yeah. doesn't play a lot anymore. Yeah, and I mean, there's probably a bunch of kids up there that have never seen them because, yeah. you know, they've only played, you know, sporadically over the last two or three years, and then they went like seven or eight years before that, you know? Yeah, not playing at all. So, I mean, yeah, I'd only, I think I'd only seen them one other time at an OzFest, you know, when we saw them like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. I, I saw them at their <laughs> first OzFest in 98, I think. When uh, when they were on the second stage and they were like playing it, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I don't remember that. I don't know if I was at that. Uh, one. Yeah, I don't or, think you were. I think okay. it was one in Dallas when me and uh, Josh went with okay. Thrasher. Okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, and you know they had a little twenty-five minute set. 
<laughs> and then we saw them, you know, years later they had gotten huge, and we saw them at OzFest. I think that was one of the times they closed it out because Ozzy had to cancel or something. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they sounded great, and they hit all the the songs people wanted to hear, and they played other few other songs that I liked, like Prison Song, and it was cool to hear. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the same time as Iggy Pop, and I the reason I missed the first couple songs is because I stood over there and watched... I know he opened with I Want to Be Your Dog and mm-hmm. the camera of the second song, but I watched two songs just because that was another one of my major conflicts. Yeah, definitely. It's like two bands that, you know, you don't really ever, at least where we're at, ever really get the chance to see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you probably should pick Iggy Pop because, you know, he's getting up there in years. You know, he might not be doing as much longer, but, you know. Hey, whatever. You know, I saw yeah. I saw a couple songs, and then I saw the rest of System of a Down. And yeah. So what's your take on the whole Iggy Pop oh, experience? Oh, Iggy was great. My thing with System was, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of got out of them a while back, and I've seen them twice. I've never seen Iggy Pop. Uh, probably never will again. So I really wanted to make sure I saw that. It was great. Uh, you know, he he's energetic. He's all over the place. He was jumping in the crowd, and think about it. He's one year younger than Lemmy. Lemmy's <laughs> right. 69, Iggy is 68, and just, think, you know, look at the difference. Uh, so, and he had those songs that you don't think about, that you forget about, like Passenger and Wild One, and he was playing them. I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot, that's him. So the set just got better as it went on. Uh, so I... I really enjoyed it we were kind of far away but it didn't matter he had the great set list and he put on a good show his band was tight uh once again you know i'm glad to mark that off the list and glad that it was a a quality set yeah yeah well that was those were the the final bands on day two yep so day three we uh day three we didn't get there till Four, what four thirty maybe? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we pushed it later because there wasn't anything. I mean, anyone earlier that we were dying to see, except yeah. seemed like there was someone that we were like would want to see, but we just kind of, you know, pushed it till four thirty because then the stuff we were really wanting to see started around five. Exactly. You know, went to Chinatown and had some awesome Chinese food, which was great. Of course. And then we went to Bill Swartzky Super Fans. Oh, right. Of course. Not really. Just kidding. Okay. Sorry. You had to throw that in at some point. I did. Yeah. I'm a fucking stereotypical bastard. All right. <clears throat> well, we get there for day five, three, and t- just in time, you know. Day five. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. You had a different trip than me, man. <laughs> right. We get there with enough time to get up, you know, as close as we can or fairly close for Andrew WK. Yes. And because he went on around five or so, and <clears throat> you know we worked our way up, not super close, but you know, ten. You or guys f- got closer than I did, but yeah. I was still pretty pretty up there. Yeah, and the band next to him was that band, the band that was playing before him on the next stage was Congos. Is that how you say it? I, don't I know. guess I don't know. <clears throat> and I was like, I don't even. I've heard this name, but then they're playing this this song. I'm like, man, I've heard that song before, but whatever. <laughs> just yeah, thought I'd throw that in. If you like Congos, I guess they're all right, but it just sounded like poppy kind of rock. Yeah, know. yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, 
Andrew WK comes on stage and I'm not going to say that it was a party, but it was a fucking party. Okay. Now I don't know how to say that without being a cheese ball, but, but see in that realm, even being a cheese ball is a party. So you're good. Yeah. You can do anything short of hurting someone and it's a party. That's right. You know, and that glass of water out there is a party. Right. And much in the same sense as, as rancid, you know, Andrew WK can be up there. You know, even the song's technically about living, saying you better get ready to die and get ready to kill. Mm-hmm. But you're smiling your ass off, and you're like, this is the funnest point of my life to this That's point. Right. You know? right. For that 45 minutes, you're just like, it's that same exact feeling, you know, just like, you know. You know, again, there was probably a bunch of people there that might only know Party Hard, but everybody was just like, you know, this dude's up here with his pizza guitar. This dude's up here, you know. You know, throwing people shirts and making whoever gets it, you know, show it to him. Yeah. So he can cheer for him and then yeah. go back, you know. And it's just like, the guy, you know, who knows what he's like in his private life, but everything he does in the public eye, you know, is completely positive. It's positivity. Yeah. It's life. It's love. It's yeah. all smiles. It's The guy's all smiles. He's all thumbs up. And it bleeds over into, like, when you're watching him, you know, or yeah. listening to him. Yeah. You're just like, you can't not... You know, I mean, sure, you might not like the music, but if you're there having to be watching it, you're probably going to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, just based off of the the attitude, you know, the and the energy that he's putting into it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he has, he even has an advice column. Uh, and I read a, I read a thing today. Uh, somebody wrote in, and, uh, you know, the question was very close to stuff that's going on with me. And you can apply his answer to what's going on. And no matter what, the guy is just steeped in positivity, whether it's his advice column or his music. Uh, you can't you can't not feel good when that kind of stuff is going around. And if there's ever a set of music that conveyed that, it was this one. Oh yeah. Yes, and and he had a, uh, a hype woman. In a little uh, black onesie that was uh, pretty hot. So that helped even more. Right. Well, after that party sadly had to end, you know, that's one of those things that could have gone on for two or three hours and I wouldn't have come. Uh, yeah, he could have done a four hour set. I would have been there. Yeah. You know, we walked over to the uh, VIP area to get a, I think, a drink in the bathroom break and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was right next to that other stage in the back, and Stephen Marley was playing. And I don't know anything about the guy other than he's related to Bob Marley. <laughs> and he plays reggae, like every Marley does, I guess. And, uh, you know, I was sitting, you know, I heard like a song or two in my time over there, and it sounded great, you know. It's kind of one of those things that's just like background music, you know, is kind of cool. And yeah, I know there's a lot of people that that's their main thing, and I've always reggae. You know, it's one of those things. You know, if you hear it when you're out swimming or something, it's kind of a cool vibe. But so the guy's good live. That's you know from my short experience, and then walked back, and that's when I heard, like I mentioned earlier, heard Cypress Hill. Yeah, and thankfully during the the point where I heard him for two or three songs, I never heard Rock Superstar because I would have like probably like punched my ears repeatedly until yeah, I no couldn't. Shit. No you know? shit. Because that's on my top 10 list of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. 
but they were playing other stuff. You know, I knew like how just kill a man and you know, insane in the brain and mm-hmm. a couple other things. And like I said, it was it kind of surprised me. You know, that it wasn't real. Just kind of, you know, it didn't sound like tracks. You know, yeah. I don't know what they were doing up there. I didn't really get a close enough look. But you know, it sounded like like a real rock show. You know, with that kind of <laughs> gangsta attitude at the same time, and they. You know, they sounded good for what they are. I've never really cared for them, but mm-hmm. i got to give them credit where it's due. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you just said gangsta. So yeah. Got to love that. Yeah. Got to. Well, then after that, I had a chance to go backstage. So yes, you did. Somehow I made it back there. Because you're a fucker. Yeah. Yeah. And nah, Where's Jason? Ah, fuck him. I'm going backstage. Yeah. So me and Tracy made it back there and said, you know, I'll I'll text Jason later and tell him what's up. Yeah. Right. Asshole. So and that's whenever else well before that was I think Cypress Hill was still going on and then that's whenever L seven was getting ready to go on. So I went around behind the L seven stage mm-hmm. and tried to work my way up onto those, you know, they have those side stages, the sides of the stage where all the you know other bands and yeah. random people stand, but you know I I couldn't work my way that far, but I was directly behind the stage where I could hear everything perfect and see their butts, you know, um, which isn't a bad thing. No, and, especially that bass player. Yeah, and that was just another one of those things, kind of like Babes in Toyland. They're one of those bands we always knew about in the '90s. Yeah, and I've listened to them over the last month or two since I knew we were going to this to kind of get you know prepared and so i recognized those songs you know mm-hmm. that i was really and they're just another one of those great you know great bands from the 90s that never really got their what you know never got the six level of success i think they should have yeah so i mean what was your take on i thought on they were great uh they they definitely had a showdown they were tight uh you know i i knew a few songs new shit list uh you know pretend we're dead obviously right uh and um you know they had they had a, a you know too cool rock vibe to them uh, i dug it i dug it um you know uh, not a bad thing to say about them at all no uh and um good solid heavy rock music that's now. right and before that i want to go back a little bit I got the extreme pleasure. Oh crap! I forgot. I skipped over that. Of checking out Rodrigo e Gabriela, and if you don't know about these two, they're a they're a classical guitar duo, but they they kind of they spice it up, amp it up a little bit. Um, Gabriela does more of the percussive rhythm stuff. Rodrigo is an insane soloist, and they just come together to they have a classic Hispanic vibe. Sure, but it's melded with a rock spirit that is very... Like that Hispanic kind of sound, you mean? Yeah, to flamenco, the, classical, yeah, okay. but it's infused with a very rock spirit that you, you can't you can't miss. They they did they did uh, classical guitar versions of Holy Wars, Orion, Battery. Uh, they did a version of Bomb Track by Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> And it was just those two, and it was just two guitars, no singing. It was in, so it's entirely instrumental, right? Yeah, yeah, for like fifty minutes, and the kids loved it, and it was just, you know, they were all smiles, 
just happy, positive, just great musicianship. I I urge anyone out there to check these guys out. You can't go wrong. Yeah, that's one of the ones I was looking forward to seeing, but like I said... You had to go hobnob with the stars backstage. Right. You motherfucker. Well, about that time after L7 ended, Tracy came out because she was wanting to see Snoop Dogg. Yeah. And he... You know, of course, he's Snoop Dogg, so his the the area behind his backstage was completely shut down, mm-hmm. where you couldn't even get up there to kind of like check it out from behind. And uh, why would you want to though? Right, really? yeah. I don't know. Ask her; she's not here. Ask her <laughs> next time you see. Well, the funny thing is, like, apparently he's Snoop Dogg, and he like he's kind of, you know, from what I've heard from other people that's seen him. You know, he's kind of got that Axel thing where, you know, was he going to show up or not? Or when's he going to show up, you know? I know yeah. when he played the Canes a couple of years ago, it was like an hour and a half late or something. And But he did that here, and I guess he thinks, well, I'm Snoop Dogg, so it's not going to matter. But I think what I read later was that at the end of the show, they, they, put, they cut the lights on him during one of the songs he was playing. Yeah. You know, of course, he got mad and was calling, like, you know the side guy, and the, the sound guy, bitch ass motherfucker was the quote. <laughs> nice. But I'm like, hey, you know, you started 15, 20 minutes late or whatever. So, but I don't know. I didn't hear any of that, and that's just all hearsay. Yeah. Which is just kind of funny. But I went over and watched Tenacious D. Yeah. From behind the stage, and they were great. I, you know, it was it's one of those things. I was like, well, I'm back here. I'm going to do this because it's a. Uh, and a unique experience that most people would never get. So I'm going to check it out from behind, you know, where I can't really, I can just kind of see him here and there between the, the thing. I can All see the gear. drummer, drummer perfect, you know. And so it probably would have, it would have been a lot cooler show to see him from the front. But, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things. The guys, you know, are obviously passionate music fans. We've known that, you know, since, you know, their first album. Yeah. And they they display that when they play live and they you know they put on a you know it's not you know it is in a way it's a you know kind of a joke comedy kind yeah, of thing yeah it kind of is but they they do it at a great you know at a high enough level and they you know they that it comes off oh the musicianship yeah. is at a very high level yeah and I even liked when they, they did the song you know you can't stop the metal right you know, at the end, they're like, yep, 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 we won the medal, Grammy. And he said, Mastodon, and we're more metal than them. <laughs> right. Slipknot, we're more metal than them. Slayer, sorry, more metal than you. Sorry, losers, we won the Grammy. Which they were obviously making a joke, because they know that those three bands are way more metal. Right. And they were just, you know, poking fun at the Grammy, uh, you know, organization for not knowing what the fuck they're doing. Uh, and and the whole set was riddled with, you know, comedic bits and Jack Black is Jack Black is a great MC, he's a great comedian, he he he's a great musician. He was born for that kind of thing. And uh it was just a great a great set all the way around. Yeah. And and there's people fucking love that man. There's people where I was at there's people all around me that were singing every fucking single fucking word, like perfect. There's one guy that was like, you know, emoting and doing the hands, and <laughs> I mean, he was really into it. People love that band. Yeah, 
it's cool to see that you know they kind of they stuck around you know because i i thought when that first time came out i got it and i liked it a lot yeah but i just thought well this is probably a one-time thing and it's kind of yeah. cool that it's became a real legitimate thing over the years yeah that they do now and then you know so it's cool to finally see them and i guess after that was well that was the headliner right or no no that's not the headliner sorry that was the last band we cared about. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and as I'm walking around backstage, um, I go by the press tents and I see Andrew WK. Yes. Well, I take that back. My girlfriend saw him and came and grabbed me and said, hey, Andrew WK's over here. And so, you know, like the dork that I am, I just kind of stood around over by the press area waiting for him to get done, you know, so I could go up to him and say, hey, Mr. WK, you know. I'm a big fan, and I love you. But thankfully, I didn't say that. That's what I was thinking in my head. Thankfully. But I just kind of caught him, you know, at the end of an interview, a couple other guys from some band came up and got their picture with him. So I went and asked the guy that was with him if he'd take my picture, and he said, yeah, he's got like 30 seconds for the next interview. Go for it. And so, you know, he was totally cool and took the picture and said, and he said, keep on partying. Well, of course. Yeah, just like you imagine he would say. He actually said it. Yeah. And then I gave him a Thunder Underground card. So look forward to the Andrew WK podcast coming I down. I wish, I hope. One day, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. Well, after all that, who we had the Prodigy and uh, who was it that we didn't care about besides the Prodigy? The Prodigy. No, there was other headliners, I mean. Oh, God. Oh, Modest Mouse. Fuck right. them. Yeah. I don't even know why we're talking about why we, <laughs> right. we gave him too much anyways. Yeah. Uh, I heard that heard that as I was walking around back there, but I went back over to the area where the prodigy was just to try to check that out, and they had that completely shut down. Yeah. In the same sense, Snoop Dogg did, where you couldn't yeah. even get close to the stage. Well, let me tell you, Prodigy and their laptops rocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't. You know, my girlfriend said they're awesome, and that's her thing. So I'm glad she got to see them. And yeah. I think my sister said she liked it, and so hey. People like it. That's cool. But that's, yeah. you know, that's enough about that. Yeah, man. if you like to hear a guy pressing space bar on his laptop over and over, that's your thing. Whatever. <laughs> hey, he's doing something and it's making noise and other people aren't doing it. So he's an artist and they're not. Right? So when you fart, are you an artist because yeah. you're making noise? The fartist, just like Brian Posehn. Oh, my God. We need to wrap this up. Well, I mean, that was, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. We... Overall, like I said, the stage kind of thing was the only complaint I had other than yeah. the thing you mentioned about the sound with Flogging Molly, the beginning of Living Color, had the it same issues. kind of have that, but they, they fixed it real quick. Yeah. And I heard Billy Idol, who was playing at the same time as Rancid, was another conflict that we were pissed off about. Yeah. But, um, several people were complaining about the sound on him. And wow. It, there were a couple of times it went out for like 30, 45 seconds completely. And in other times where it was like, you know, when we saw Living Color, it was just real down, you know. And, yeah. And it's, I mean, I, that sounds more like a, a festival problem, you know. Yeah, I don't think it's anything on the reflection and on the band. And when you look back on that, that's probably all the same stage, you know, when I think yeah. about it. Living Color, Flogging Molly, and Billy Idol. Yeah. So it's probably just a stage sound yeah, issue, yeah, you know. Yeah, it definitely could be. But other than that, yeah, I mean, that's... I'd definitely go again, you know, if we had the chance. That lineup every year is stacked with people we love. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad we finally got around to doing it. 
you got any anything else you want to throw in about it? No, I'm good. I think we covered it all. I think uh, it was a great time, and uh, you know, it, it's made for some good memories and some good conversation. Yeah, definitely. Well, check us out, like I, like we always say on thethunderunderground.com, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram at the same the Thunder Underground. We're on SoundCloud at Thunder Dash Underground, and we're on Twitter at T H N D R U N D R Ground, and on YouTube as well at The Thunder Underground. And check out the videos on there. Check out all our previous podcasts, like we said, all over the place. You know, the last one was with a guy that was in a a '90s, you know, kind of alt rock band. And then we had, a, you know, before that we've had guys from thrash bands and stoner rock, southern metal style bands and regular heavy metal bands, you know, trying to cover the gamut here. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.